This episode of The First Round is brought to you by Pi. Pi. Be it pecan, pumpkin, cherry, lemon meringue. Not said like it's spelled. Or cheesecake. Cheesecake. Enjoy a good pie this holiday season. It's what your grandmother would want you to do. Even if she's dead like mine is. Both of them. Pie. Brought to you by the Pie Council. Chris Kelser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Ghostbusters Afterlife. The film that, Matt, could it possibly have been birthed after the outcry by certain sections of the internet after the Paul Feig's uh, Ghostbusters reboot from back in 2016? And was it such a good idea to revisit this franchise? To, air quotes, fix it. We'll just spend a few minutes and talk about the latest Netflix release, The Harder They Fall. This is a uh, Western. I have my issues with Netflix. Could this possibly have turned the tide? We'll talk about the big releases on physical media, featuring our streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And Matt and I will close out the show with another round of What Are the Odds? Matt, let's start everything off, though, with a clip from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Hi. Hello again. You brought them home. It's a service I provide. All right. Well, I'm, I'm also an escort. Mm, I came okay. out wrong. Yeah. Look, the truth is, is I've always kind of wondered what lurked inside this haunt box. Right, well, the only thing lurking inside here is my slowly dying soul. Is that what that smell is? Well, it's not dinner, so. Well, I, I... <laughs> um, would you? Sure. Like? Yeah. I don't have any food. It's okay. fine. Tour. Great. Great. Matt, Ghostbusters Afterlife, or as I like to call it, Legacy the Film. Jason Reitman steps in into the director's chair after his father directed the, I don't know, much lauded classic original film. All right, Matt, everybody is doing their online shopping. They're in the lines at Best Buy. They're listening to the big show. What is Ghostbusters Afterlife all about? So Carrie Coon and her family, um, she's a single mother. Um, she's estranged from her father. She is evicted from her home. So she picks up and moves out to the middle of nowhere where her estranged father lived and recently passed away. And it turns out that her father is Egon Spangler. And maybe he was living out in the middle of nowhere for a very good reason. Ooh. So Matt, let me ask you, is Ghostbusters Afterlife harmed? By working so hard to honor the past. I would say yes, a little bit. I think it is a little harmed by it. The cameos seem a little forced to me. I thought they were a little eye-rolly. I don't think they were necessary. There are parts of this film that I really like, but I think in trying to so hard to hit all the beats and bring back all the things from the first film, it really kind of suffers for it. Yeah, was do you think is this a response to the negative reaction that Feek's film got? Because I feel like if that film was a runaway success, I don't think mm -hmm. this gets made, and we're right. we have a sequel to that version instead. What do you think? I think you're correct, but I think by the sheer fact of it could have been the the an issue of you know Feig wanted to do the the all female Ghostbusters and Reitman also wanted to make this film and the studios 
banked on Feig's being better and, and being more successful and it just didn't work out. So this kind of smacks of, okay, we tried that first thing. So now we're going to go back to this other thing and let's see if you know this does any better. Yeah. I mean, that certainly sounds plausible to me. Matt, what are your general thoughts then on Afterlife? Because listen, this is a treasured property mm-hmm. for people of a certain age, like you and me. Like I'm just like you. I grew up watching this thing. I watched it over and over again on VHS, then on DVD. I just like you could quote all of the lines in it. I had a painter's cap of Ghostbusters. I mean, I had all that stuff. Right. I was. And this was prime for me. Right. I was nine years old when that first film came out. So uh, how did this feel for you? Like I said, I, so I have a strange relationship with Ghostbusters. I loved it so much when I was a kid. It's almost like an old toy that you have just worn down from just being from use. And you can kind of remember like how it used to make you feel and how much you used to enjoy it. But I, I, I don't know if it's been so worn for me. It doesn't really hold the same appeal that it used to. And this as I like, I'll go out and say, I liked it, but, and there are parts of this that I did really enjoy, but I think the parts where it's trying so hard to kind of call back to the first one, like I said, it just left me cold. It wasn't really what I was looking for. It's mo- it's sweet and mostly pleasant, but I think it's too focused on trying to create this all encompassing fan service film that tries to wed all these different things from the past films and really basically just the first one. There's like no real nods, I think, to the second film at all. Out, you know, and, and I think it trips itself up by doing that. And I think part of the issue is that first film, Matt, was just lightning in a bottle. And the original, and I think what people seem to forget and really helped solidify it for me when I watched it on Sunday is that the whole thing is a joke. The whole film is a put-on. And this just isn't. It's not. And with the original being just kind of such a lark, this they're unable to capture that magic. And what is that magic, Matt? I mean, probably ample amounts of cocaine. But still, in the end, it just doesn't have what made that first. It's why the sequel that Ghostbusters 2 didn't work. And that's why I think that the remake, not the remake, but the 2016 relaunch wasn't terribly successful either. They try and turn them into these broader traditional comedies and it just never captures that same feel of the original when the entire process is Bill Murray winking at you with the finger to the nose kind of thing the whole time. But it's important, yeah. What's funny about the original film is that that's what Bill Murray's doing and I think you know, Harold Ramey is doing that to an extent too, but Dan Aykroyd is dead serious because he believes in all this stuff. Like he's very serious. So it's kind of like the juxtaposition between the two things. I think it's interesting. Maybe that's part of our issue is that with these sequels and everything else, the driving force has been Aykroyd the entire time. Mm -hmm. So I think that may be exactly what our problem is. Listen, the fan service in this is rough. It is unending and done without a single thought to subtlety. It is so inexorably linked to the original film, this movie, that I don't care how much you try and change by uprooting us. We're no longer in New York. We're in, we're in the countryside. Our color palette is entirely different. 
right? But they still bring in, you know, the lasers from the the proton packs. I mean, all that stuff is still there. The sound effects are there. All that is there. The but the problem stuff, Matt, when the Nestle Crunch Bar wrapper shows up, when the Twinkie gets zoomed in on, right? All of this stuff. It works so hard to honor the past. To close the circle on the idea of family and to kind of reunify this franchise that in the end it presents us with, I think, an entertaining enough film that, like you say, is the old stuffed animal from when you were a kid. When you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, that was nice. But it's just not what you need now. I like how you say that. I mean, it's not what you need now. And I know there are people that really enjoyed this. Some people really did not like it. I think that seems to be the consensus, but it's doing well. And I don't agree are... with that. What? It's not horrible. It's 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 like I feel like you and I are in the Halloween Kills camp again, too, where yeah. we have this weird. I don't know if I'm spending too much time on Twitter, but I just yeah, I I, I enjoyed Halloween Kills. I don't think it was just worst film of the year. No. I had the same issue with this. The it's so heavy handed with the going back in time with and honoring the past. True, but there's still enough here to enjoy. Yeah. What's her last name? Grace? McKenna Grace? Is that her name? Uh, yes. I thought she was quite good. I enjoyed seeing her. I enjoyed podcast as a little bit of deprecation um, for what we're doing here. I, and there were parts of it, like, I thought the kind of racing through the town in Ecto-1, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that yeah. was fun. You know, some of the stuff with Paul Rudd in the in the mini Stay Puff Marshmallow Mans in the Walmart was pretty fun. There are things in this that I like. I, I just think it's when, like you said when they kind of reach so hard to get back to those older things, it just doesn't work. It's like, yeah, I get it, but maybe, you know, but maybe people have a different relationship with ghosts or busters than we do. Maybe they haven't seen it so many damn times that you could probably recite it, you know, word for, like we could do a two man play right now yes. playing all the parts. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I, I struggle with that too. Like the Stay Puff marshmallow man thing. I'm like, what, that doesn't make any sense. But then I guess there's a, a joke or something later on when other characters show up, you know, and I guess it's possible that our villain has that memory recall, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. I, I don't know. There are some weird things that I don't know if they entirely all make sense when it's, it's just too much focused on that fan surface. You're right. I think McKenna Grace is, is a lot of fun as you know, the Spangler kid, uh, Finn Wolfhard's solid Paul Rudd does Paul Rudd. If you like yourself some Paul Rudd folks, you're not going to be disappointed. I enjoyed it enough. Matt, they certainly set it up for some sequels. Are you interested in that? Mm, I would go see a sequel, and but it would be conditional. They would have to show me something much, much fresher. The kind of through line that they set up is fine for me, but I, I, if they gave me more of the same, I would not be happy. Yeah, I think that's fair. What did you think? I don't know. Do we really want to? I think you can talk about it. I think it's, and it's not a big surprise. It's all over the internet. You know, that the, the three OG Ghostbusters do show up at the end of the film. And it was <laughs> kind of fun to see them all together, though. Bill Murray almost looks at times like he's in a hostage video. Yeah. He, I mean, he was <laughs> always the main holdout when it came yeah. to coming back to do a sequel. He never wanted to do them. I don't know if they just threw a bunch of cash at him. I think I read, read that he really actually thought the script was pretty good and he liked how it brought the generations together and all. Maybe for a fleeting moment, it's a kind of, how do I put it? Like the Amazon knockoff version of the Ghostbusters <laughs> with the original cast members, right? It's like where, the Amazon basics. Yeah, exactly. Where <laughs> Bill Murray is doing his Vankman and it's just, it's just 
it's like a, a dusting of it there, perhaps a ghost version of it. You know, it's it's just so it's so ethereal. You can almost grab on this gossamer version of the original Ghostbusters and the original Peter Venkman. But it was fun to see them. I will admit, I, I I did have a big smile on my face when the three of them showed up. I did. Yeah, I mean, I was a little cynical at first, but mm-hmm. I kind of got over it. And what's funny for Bill Murray not wanting to do these films, he's been in all of them, even the remake. So even with the Paul Feig's film, what did you think about the Harold Ramis ghost? I guess the, the his kid was okay with it. It mm-hmm. does. It is kind of weird, but. If the family's all on board with it, I guess I don't, who am I to say? Yeah, I mean, I was okay with it. I think, you know, he doesn't speak and mm-hmm. it looks convincing enough. And I guess if you're going to have a film about ghosts, having him not show up would be weird. Yeah, I think it makes sense through the plot of the film that mm-hmm. his presence would be there throughout. I, I, I guess I get that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts on Ghostbusters Afterlife, Matt. So seeing Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver together, I thought, yeah. man, Bill Bill Murray is so much older. It's like there's another Hollywood thing. Sigourney Weaver's a year older than she than he is. Wait a minute, she's a year older than Bill Murray is. Yeah, she was born in 1949. He was born in 1950. Oh my god, <laughs> she looks like almost 20 years younger than him in that. I know that was insane. insane. I was like, man, would they, was the age difference really that big back in the day? And I was like, no, they're the same age. Jesus. And I don't know if Sigourney's had any work done. If she has, it's very kudos. subtle if she has. Yeah. Uh, they did a great job because she just yeah. looks like an older version of herself. I'm assuming she's just aging well. Bill Murray looks like in this film, he's got a worry one foot, if not a foot and a half in the grave. Right. And it, he looked more vibrant in um, French Dispatch. Than he did in this thing. This one, it looks like maybe he had just like gotten out of a car accident or something. And no offense <laughs> to Bill, but man. So he's like my mom's age. Sorry to put you on blast there, mom. Literally, they're a year apart. She was born in October 1949. He was born in September 1950, which just blows my mind. That is crazy. All right, Matt, what are you giving Ghostbusters Afterlife? Even with all of our complaining and nitpicking, I think I'm going to give it a B minus. I enjoyed it enough. That it kind of elevates it out of sea territory. Yeah, I'm coming up right behind you like Momoa and Henry Cavill in that internet meme. I give it a C plus. Okay. Uh, it's good. It's fine. It's solid. I think you'll get enough. As a Ghostbusters fan, I think there's enough here to keep you entertained. Just try not to have your you know, your eyeballs snap off of your head every time one of those Twinkies or Nestle Crunch Bars or any of those other moments show up. Then I think you'll be okay. If you've had a chance to see Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is currently available only in the theaters, we'd love to hear from you. It's just an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'm curious what they would do. The way they set it up for that sequel, I'm curious how that would shake out. I don't imagine that the... I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? Who knows? I don't speculate too much and give too much away like we already have. All right, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, November 30th. It's, it's, it's going to be a big week, folks. The body of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. 
happy birthday. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Mandy, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? He's the devil. Oh, Matt. Listen, folks, that one gives you the Matt Howell seal of approval. That gives you the Matt Howell guarantee. Blind by Malignant. If you do not like it, he will replace your money. He will repay you. All right, Matt? That's how strong we feel about Malignant. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You get your physical media release of James Wan's absolutely bat-esque crazy film from earlier this year that I adored. It's just crazy stuff, folks. Malignant, you can finally pick up on physical media. But I want to talk about a couple of things coming out on uh, November 26th, a few days earlier. Vinegar Syndrome is releasing a bunch of films. One of them is Creature, also known as Titan Find, one of those kind of alien knockoffs from the 80s. It's only been available on DVD, even scantily. In fact, I picked up a DVD of it on Amazon about, this is going to come as a surprise to nobody, about three months ago because, A, they had talked about a Blu-ray release for five, six years now, and it's never materialized, and the director had basically gone silent about it. And this DVD actually incorrectly had the director's cut known as Titan Find on it, and it's not the theatrical version. And, of course, I haven't watched it yet, Matt. But now Vinegar Soon, but it was like four or five bucks, so what the hell, take a chance. And Vinegar Syndrome is releasing it on Blu-ray, and I'm very excited about that. Also coming up from Vinegar Syndrome is Flesh for Frankenstein, Paul Morrissey's film. There is a 4K and 3D version included on that with a slew of new interviews as special features. And Vinegar's also releasing Dario Argento's Trauma. And it's going to all be part of their Black Friday sale. So by the time you listen to this, the sale will be live if you listen to this today it's released. So make sure you jump over to Vinegar Syndrome's website for their Black Friday sales. There is a ton of stuff on there. Super cheap. Also coming out, Mac, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You buy it from Best Buy, you get a steel book, you get it from Target, you get a digipack with two foil etched prints. And again, those special releases are particular only to 4K. There's a gag reel, some 11 deleted scenes, and more. Matt, another film we really enjoyed this year that just confounded us, and that is St. Maud is getting its physical media release. includes an audio commentary with the writer-director Rose Glass and a making-of featurette. That's another one, Matt, I feel like I want to revisit. That one really worded us out, right? What were your thoughts on St. Maud? Yeah, that was a, an interesting, disturbing film. I do want to catch up with it again. It's something that I think it'll, may make it into the collection if it gets cheap enough. Absolutely. Vinegar Syndrome and Altered Innocence are releasing Death of Nintendo. In the early 1990s, a teenager and his gang of friends enjoy their summer playing games as they grow up. New to Blu-ray, a couple films from Warren Beatty, or at least featuring him. The 1978 movie Heaven Can Wait, with a brand new 4K restoration approved by Beatty, as well as Reds, a new K4 restoration on that one as well. Warner Archive is releasing Party Girl. Sandpiper Pictures is releasing Baby Boom. This is the Diane Keaton film. They're also releasing The Man and the Moon, featuring Sam Watterson, Tess Harper, Gail Strickland, and Reese Witherspoon. Shatter Dead is being released. This is a horror film, Matt, with a brand new restoration of the director's cut from the original Betacam Master Tapes. A couple audio commentaries and more. But Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with The Mutation. After a deadly experiment on a rat goes wrong, the mutated rat has been let loose in the city. And a group of defectives... <laughs> 
detectives are on the hunt for the beast. As the body count rises, no one is safe, Matt, and the rat is growing at a rapid pace. What should we be streaming this week? So available this week is the live action version of the classic anime series Cowboy Bebop on Netflix starring John Cho as the bounty hunter Spike Spiegel, who is modeled after Bruce Lee. It is very faithful in a lot of ways to the anime, but it's, I think people who are familiar with the source material may not like it as much, but I'm having a good time with it. And I think it's really an interesting way to kind of approach uh, something that's so stylized to begin with. Yeah, the internet, a lot of people don't seem to be caring for this thing at all. I'm not familiar with the source material at all, though. Yeah, so I mean, the the source material is probably one of the most beloved anime series out there and it's a very short series it's it didn't last for very long it was kind of self-contained it began and ended and that's it um but people love it and rightly so it is really really good so i think it's kind of like you know you're you're messing with the mona lisa as far as they're concerned mm-hmm. so a couple of things i want to talk about too matt black friday is coming up i think i'm going to splurge my office television matt is old. It's probably about 10 plus years old and we're starting to get some pixelation and some lines are showing up. So I think I'm going to mm-hmm. splurge on a OLED TV. Oh. From, uh, I'm very excited for that. And then too, my Citizen Kane 4K set. I just got the call while recording this episode. It is ready for pickup at Barnes & Noble. So I'll be running out to get that at some point in the next day or so. A couple things though, folks. Criterion has released a recall on Citizen Kane. Supposedly mm-hmm. on the Blu-ray version of the film, that first Blu-ray disc, about 30 minutes in, the image changes. It gets like a, it, it kind of softens and grays a bit. So they're doing a recall. So what they are asking you to do is to mail them back the disc, but don't include the packaging. Don't include any other discs, nothing. Just that Blu-ray disc one of their Citizen Kane set. They're going to ship you out a new one, and they're going to email you a $10 off coupon or gift certificate for the Criterion site, which I think is a hell of a deal. Yeah, nice. So, And they don't even care how you send it back. You can snap the disc in two and mail it back in a regular envelope. They don't care. They just want the disc back. Don't send anything else because they're not going to replace it. But uh, you want to get that new set back, or I guess that that recall set. Or you can just sit tight and wait for the new ones to come out, you know, in a few months or probably sometime in January. Good times. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and keep rolling. Let's spend a few minutes and talk about... Let me ask you, though, are you going to do any big Black Friday purchases? Not really. Uh, I think I'll probably buy some gifts with it, but um, it's nothing really that I need. I think I'm pretty much good. I mean, the only thing I would consider getting is like a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X, but you can't get them anywhere, so what's the point? Yeah, how I would I would get a PS5 because of the UHD player at this point mm-hmm. for my office, which I don't have one. I have one in the living room. Yeah. But you see, you can't... What's the point, Sony? I, I'm assuming it's just the supply chain issues, right? Where they can't get the processors. Mm-hmm. It's just disappointing. Partly. And then, of course, people, you know, they all get bought up by, you know, these scalpers have made bots that buy up all the inventory as soon as it comes out. Like, I've been trying to get one of these, and they are gone within seconds. There's got to be a way. I know. I think they try and fight that, right, as much as they can, Matt. But I guess there's yeah. just only so much you can do. But those people, I swear to God, they drive me crazy. And they say, well, hey, it's just, you know, it's supply and demand. It's capitalism. What are you going to do? No. You're a bad person. Don't think twice about that. You are a bad person if you use these bots and sweep them all up and then sell them on the secondary market. Right. 
your POS. It's some young, young kid, like young Matt. Matt, what right. are you? 12, 14? You're just waiting to get your PS5? I'm very sad. I'm <laughs> very sad. My Christmas is runt. Runt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the harder they fall. Really? In the back? What you think, Big Work? Nah, you wouldn't do that. See, now we have to put a bullet in his cranium. We'll never know who the fastest really is now, will we? I gotta hand it to you, boy. You do know how to make a grand entrance. <laughs> Shit, I ain't even rehearsed that one. You know, quick draw, that love is a dead man walking. But you don't have to be. Just once you get on your horse, get your shit, and go back to whatever it is you call home. You know that's impossible. Countdown from five. That sounds intimidating. Matt, The Heart of a Fall is a Western currently available on Netflix featuring Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Betts, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, and more. Man, that's a hell of a cast. So Majors plays a young man who sees, witnesses his mother and father murdered in front of him by notorious outlaw Rufus Buck. He grows up and he goes on a blood-soaked revenge tour, trying to take out the members of Buck's gang and eventually get his justice with Buck himself. Of course, Buck is played by Idris Elba. Matt, let me let's talk about Jonathan Majors for a moment. All right, it's been a fast couple years for him as a sensitive kind of grounded Mont Allen in the Last Black Man in San Francisco, a film this show just adores. To the Five Bloods, Lovecraft Country. Kang now, right, in the MCU, and now he's in the heart of they fall. Man, this guy has had a whiplash career, and he deserves every minute of it. Matt, sometimes I give Netflix a hard time on some of the stuff they put out where it's just content. Hello, Red Notice. But every now and then, we get something like the heart of they fall. Matt, clearly a film that I had a lot of fun with. What were your thoughts? So. Um, so we So we know I'm the, the big Western fan. Um mm-hmm. I thought there were some things I really didn't like about this. Um, and I think mostly they're stylistic choices. I don't like, like the way it looks in a lot of places. It looks very set E, you know, it's very clean. looks kind of cheap and fake. Um, as far as the sets go, did really buy the, the kind of surroundings that they're in. I hated the soundtrack. Yeah. I wanted a score. Yeah. I don't want, uh, I don't want songs <laughs> over my gravitas for the most part. And what else? I actually wrote notes for this one, Chris. Ooh, look at you. I know. And and honestly, it's a little too long. It's over two hours, and I don't think it needs to be. But at the same time, the, a lot of the performances are good to great. You know, some of the shots are fantastic. I thought they were really interesting in how they look mm-hmm. and the way they're set up. But ultimately, to me, this is like a, a Young Guns type of Western, which is not really my thing. I thought it was okay, but I don't think this is really for me. Ah, that's disappointing to hear, Matt. I think this film crackles with energy, right? From its shot selections, its transitions, its music, which I get your complaints with it. I understand that. But I think once you kind of just let yourself go and dive into this ride, I think it is a lot 
of fun. It definitely takes some turns and nods from Peckinpah, some Tarantino as well, right? There, and I like to see it's like that it's an original story, Matt, but with real people. A lot of the characters in this film actually existed, and I think that our writer director uh, Gemma Samuel does a fantastic job with this thing, really providing these characters with personalities. Right, they all have their own moments, and they're fleshed out, and they're a lot of fun to watch. We're talking about a top shelf cast here. Elba, as always, continues just to dominate the screen whenever he's there. Bringing, I think, like an unexpected for me, kind of not that he's a bad actor, more just not what I expected in this role, this depth and emotion to his murderous buck. Right. And now, maybe not all of Samuel's calls pan out. I think sometimes the action exists just to be action y, that it doesn't always serve the purpose and drive the film forward. It does at times, maybe, with some of the sets look a little staged. There are a few issues I have with it like that. But overall, I would take a dozen of these before I take another Red Notice film. That's for damn sure. It's different and unique. And the characters and the performances were all, everybody was just riveting and a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, I say this with the utmost sarcasm, but how can you say something that's so controversial yet so brave? I mean, you're setting the bar incredibly <laughs> low with a, with a Red Notice there. Yeah, I would take this over Red Notice or Six Underground or whatever that Hemsworth movie that I've already forgotten the name of was. Yes, I would say that that's, I would take this over that. I just think if thinking of the pantheon of the Westerns that are out there, I think this is middling B tier stuff. I, I think there's a lot better options out there for Westerns. And like I said, it's like a young guns. Like that's, it's, it's about that historically accurate. It's about the, you know, it's got that same kind of vibe and feel. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. That's fine. I like the fact, too, that this appeals to uh, perhaps a wider audience than maybe some of your traditional Western films are. And I think that it is does a great job having this mass appeal, but focusing on basically almost an entirely black cast. I mean, there are some side moments with their white people, but they just kind of float in and out when one particular scene, right, when they go to a white town. And then when you have the uh, the soldiers on the transportation train. But that's basically it. This film, Matt, it just, as they say, it has a vibe. It has an attitude. And I really enjoyed uh, witnessing everything that happened with it. it was, I just had a heck of a time with it. Uh, it was originally supposed to include Cynthia Arrivo, Wesley Snipes, and Sterling K. Brown. Now, Brown's another guy, Matt. I would watch do anything. But unfortunately, yeah. they all had to back out due to COVID delays. But still, I mean, you have some really fun performance. I mean, maybe Zazie Beats, you know, I may, okay. But everybody else, I mean, Regina King, Delroy Rindo, Lindo, I mean, man, that guy's a force in this film as well. He is in everything he shows up in, though. So, I don't know. I rather enjoyed The Heart of They Fall, man. I'm going to give it a B plus. Go ahead and break my heart. <laughs> I don't know if it'd break your heart. I'm going to give it a C plus. Mm. And that's the that's the Western person in me. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fun. It's a relatively fun time, but it's not what I was looking for. Fair. Though I wholeheartedly disagree with it. <laughs> the Heart of They Fall is currently available on Netflix. If you've had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt, it's time to play another round of What Are the Odds? 18 hours ago, we lost a chopper carrying a cabinet minister and his aide from this charming little country. We've got a transponder fix on their position about here. This cabinet minister 
Does he always travel on the wrong side of the border? Apparently they strayed off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan! You son of a bitch! What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? Huh? Had enough? Make it easy on yourself, Dutch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You never did know when to quit, huh? Damn good to see you, Dutch. Ah, it always good to hear two old friends reuniting over the holidays, Matt, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It certainly is. CIA got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> That's right, folks. One of my favorite, probably the most used clip on this show. They're making a, another Predator sequel, Matt. This one is going to be called Prey. It's going to premiere exclusively on Hulu. But <laughs> here's the thing, Matt. Here's why I'm excited about it. It's a historical thriller, and it's set 300 years ago in the Comanche Nation. Okay. So the Predator is going to go up against uh, some Native Americans. Okay. And I'm really fascinated by this concept. And I think this is what we should be doing with this franchise, is popping them into different times in different places. I just love the idea of this, and I am looking forward to seeing it. So let me ask you, Matt, what are the odds that Prey ends up being the best Predator sequel? Huh. I'm intrigued by this this I I'm intrigued by this idea and I would like to sign up to your newsletter. So I'm going to say 65% is that it's going to be the best one because I think that would be really cool like if you saw a predator versus like Vikings or samurais or something like that. That would be something to really nerd out on. Yeah, isn't that fun? I, I just yeah, I love this idea. And it would really good too. Maybe you can do a reincarnated Arnold throughout history. Oh, there you go. <laughs> It's like the through line. <laughs> if we can have Harold Ramis back as a ghost, we can go young Arnold as well. You already yeah. did it once in one of the Terminator movies, right? Why not? Yeah. Young Arnold as a Comanche warrior. Very good. <laughs> well, right. no, I don't think I would go that far. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that would be really funny. No, I would go... Here's the thing, right? Predator 2 is kind of fun in a cheap, pulpy B-movie kind of way. Right. Predators, that's the one with Adrian Brody is has its moments i'd mm -hmm. probably give that a c plus i wasn't the biggest fan of the predator and i don't know about those avp films i think i would you know burn those all to the ground if i had the opportunity so i think it's got a very good chance of being the best sequel outside of predator 2 for just its sheer craziness and so but i so i'll go i'll go um we'll say 72 percent just to give you a nice rando number okay what do you got? So what are the odds that Far From Home has the highest Rotten Tomato score of the Marvel films for 2021? With critics and a follow-up with audience score. And I've got them all handy if you need them. Yeah, that, that's great. I was just trying to pull them up. What do you got? All right, so Black Widow got a 79% critic score and a 91% audience score. 79 critic score? Yeah. Shang-Chi got a 92% critic score mm -hmm. and a 98% audience score. Yeah. 
and Eternals got 47% critic score and 80% audience score. Okay. Well, that Eternals number is just bad. Yeah. That's not, wow. It's not that bad. I'd like to hell a lot more than I like Black Widow. Um, you, that Shang-Chi score is high. It sure is. And again, I was underwhelmed by that last trailer. So what are the odds it's the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes and audience score film for the MCU? Right. You can make it two separate two separate calls. I'm going to make it two separate calls. Oh, how nice for you. I know. It's my question. I do what I want. Well, is Spider-Man got any woke concerns? Because I think that's what would harm the audience score. Hmm. Is the is the review bombing by the Well, this is where I'm going with this. A-holes. So if the if the rumors prove out to be true and there is Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna get way I think it's almost guaranteed to like go crazy with the audience score. I don't know if it can beat ninety eight percent, yeah, but it'll be really, really close. Maybe even but if it, if those rumors prove out not to be true, it's people are gonna be so disappointed by it. Oh yeah, that's a handicap right there. You got to. That's woo. All right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. No one Rotten Tomato on the uh, critic score for Rotten Tomatoes. It's not gonna beat Shang Chi. Okay. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. No. No one. No. No one. No. Or or that's what you're asking me, right? It's more of a call it. Well, what yeah, are the odds? What are the What are the, what are the odds? <laughs> so I'm go, what's fun about these games is they're mostly interchangeable. Um. Yeah. I'm going to go then for, I guess I'll give myself a bit of an out. I'll go 10% on Rotten Tomatoes and I'll go five on audience score. Really? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Reverse it. Five, 10. Five, that it'll be higher for the critics and 10, that'll be higher for audience. Yes. That's what I want. Okay. So I think for critics, regardless of what's in it, I think it's, incredibly unlikely that the critics will react as well to it as 92%. So I'm going to give it, yeah, I think five is right. Is right. I think 5% for the critics. I'm going to go higher on the audience. I'm going to say that there's a 30% chance it goes higher. And I only think that it's, I only think it's that, I only think it's that low because 98% is gotta be, cause then there's only two places to go from there. Um, that's really high. So we'll see. But yeah, I think if there's a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, if there's an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and those all three are in there, I think this thing, people are going to go nuts. I think they're going to love it. And listen, that last trailer, the lizard's jumping at somebody and it ain't Tom mm-hmm. Holland. And like like I said, on the Brazilian one, he gets hit. Like his head whips back like he's been punched in the face and there's nobody there. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Let me ask you, Matt. Let's keep the uh, No Way Home track going here. Okay. What are the odds No Way Home clears 500 million? So, remember, this is pandemic times, right? Right. So, Far From Home made 1.132 billion with a B. Wow. But, do we want to, what would we look at? You want to go Eternals uh, for your comparison? Because well, I kind of want to look at all three of the them. market to the pandemic, which is only at 336.4. Okay. So you want to go Shang-Chi? 431.3. Okay. And then Black Widow is going to be the worst of them all, right? Right, because that was so early in the in the year. 379.6. 
Wow, that's still better than Eternals, right? Yeah. Clears 500 million. All right, I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit. I'm going to say 55% chance. I think booster shots are going out. I think people are getting a lot more comfortable. I think there's holidays are coming up. People are going to be looking things for, for things to do. And going to the movies at Christmas time is one of those staple things that people do. So I, I think there's, if anything's going to do it, it's going to be right now. Yeah, here's the thing, right? I'm all right. So I'm not even sure where are we right now with everything, because I really thought No Way to Die was going to do exceptionally well, and it didn't. It just did okay, right? And Dune didn't exactly blow the doors off and stuff, but I don't think we really anticipated that happening. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it's Spider Man and the Matrix. I think is really what it boils down to for the rest of the year. Yeah, Ghostbusters was okay in performance. Mm-hmm. I think it's sitting at 80 million right now overall worldwide. And I think that's going to peter out pretty quick. So, man, I don't know. So the way, I don't know if it's going to clear 55. So you're at 55% it does. So you think it's more likely that it will than it won't, but just barely. Yeah. I'm not confident. I'm going lower. I'm going 35% chance that it clears 500 million. All right. In the box office. I did have an over under too. Of four hundred twenty-five million. So clearly, I'm pessimistic that it'll clear five hundred. What do you think? What would you go over or under four twenty-five? Um, I think I'd go over because that's worldwide box office, right? That's not domestic, right? Yep, yep, worldwide. Yeah, I don't know. I may go over, but not by much. Make four thirty, four forty at the most. Yeah, I think we're just. I think we're a ways away yet. Have you but you're right. Your boosters. I got my booster. Did you get your booster yet? Nah, I have uh, been having a problem finding a, a time that's convenient for me, but I'll get it done soon. Nice. Good for you. All right. Mm-hmm. What do you got? All right. So what are the odds that the League of Super Pets movie is going to be the best DC movie? <laughs> ah, well, I'm going to go. That's interesting. I'm going to go... Um, have you watched the trailer? I have not. I didn't even know the trailer was out. Yeah, it just came out like a day or two ago. Maybe even it's, today. It's, is it animated? Yeah. Oh, it's an animated movie? Yeah, it is. Oh. Uh, the Rock is voicing Crypto. The other pets are just random animals that have powers. Mm-hmm. Is Beppo the super monkey in there? Uh, if he is, I didn't. I didn't see it. Right. They have not. They didn't let that one slip. If Beppo is in there, <laughs> that's going to be the big surprise. Uh, I'll go. Man, that, oof, I'm going through my head. So we're talking current DCEU. You're not counting the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not counting Dark Knight. I'm not counting the Donner film. You know, any any of that stuff. All right, right, right. All right. Wow. Um, I will say, Jesus Christ. I'm. You know, I'm just going to go 48. percent I'm. I, I'm going to go no. I just don't. No. Part of me just doesn't want to accept that. Doesn't want to admit it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go 15%. I'm not confident. It does not look like a particularly good animated film. Well, that's true. You have the advantage because you've seen the trailer. I have no idea that the trailer was out yet. I knew the movie was coming, but I had no idea we were there already. Well, when I I wrote down the question, I didn't know the trailer was out yet either, but I, I watched it before the show. Right, so... Good times. All right, Matt. My final one for you. 
What are the odds Will Smith wins an Oscar for King Richard? One of the films we'll be talking about next week. Oh, boy. He has um, won for, excuse me, he's no, no wins. He's nominated for Ali and Pursuit of Happiness, but he has yet to win. So what do you think is, I'll, I know we're not really in award season yet. I think, although we're running out of time, man, I, I, just, I don't believe it. I'm going to say 45%. I don't believe it. <laughs> I've seen the trailer and it looks, it's, it looks appropriately weepy in inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Especially during this current time. It's it always done. weird for when biopics come out and like the Williams sisters are still so young. Like it's so weird to be watching a, a biopic when the, the, some of the principals are still alive and like, you know, 30. Yeah. It came out this past Friday. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm trying to think. The problem is I, I can't really think off the top of my head how many other best actor nominees there are at the moment. Right. So, but I'll give him a good shot without knowing anybody else. I'll, I'll go, f- and I haven't seen the film, so I'm entirely talking out of my hinder. But I will go uh, 46% on that. Who knows? Okay. I think he's due at some point. I think he's turned in some really good performances. And sometimes I think about me taking that cassette and putting it in my boom box and listening. The parents don't understand. They think that <laughs> we're here now. It just <laughs> blows my mind. I know. I like how you just prices righted me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. 1,001, Bob. <laughs> you got one more? Yeah, I got one more. All right. So what are the odds that Hawkeye, the most mocked Avenger, has the best Disney Plus show out of the, all the ones that have been released? Just to see you. Yeah, in the Marvel ones. Some of the reviews I've read have used the words superb, excellent, and fantastic to describe this film, this this thing. I don't believe that. So I'm going to go, uh, I'll go, f- again, I'll go 43% just to be a little different this time. I'm in the four, I've been living in the forties today, but no, oh, I don't God. believe that for a second. I think that, what's her name there? Now I'm blinking on her name. Haley Steinfeld. It's good. I, I had Haley Atwell in my head and I knew that wasn't right. I think Steinfeld's going to be a breath of fresh air. I think she's great. And I think she'll be a lot of fun to watch on that show, but I love Loki. I think that show was a great melding of the MCU with some humor and some crazy wacky ideas. Who knows? Maybe I'll love Hawkeye, but I don't see it being better than uh, Loki at the moment. But we'll see. Yeah, and we'll see. What did you What did you put? Forty what? Forty three, I believe. I didn't write it down. I'm gonna I'm gonna price this right. You. I'm gonna say forty four percent. I don't close without going over. Oh, true. I don't, uh, I, I think it, I think there's a, a higher chance that it may be the best, but I think it's going to have a hard bar to clear than, than Loki. Yeah. Still so funny to me. Cause that was the one I was looking forward to the least. Yeah. Hey, that's the way it works. So maybe this one will, this one will surprise you. Renner will just knock it out of the park. Could be, could very well be. Do you still have the Jeremy Renner app on your phone? I know you were on that thing all the time before. Uh, no, I don't. I right, got, I think he stopped really <laughs> adding new content to it. So that's fine. All right, folks, what odds would you assign to those? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. I'm trying to think, you know, so what would be the craziest? Arnold reincarnated like during the some kind of, I don't know what, some dynasty in China. That'd probably be the most offensive, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could put him in like with Charlemagne or something and like in medieval Germany. 
Now all I can think of is Arnold in all these movies, like Harikiri, <laughs> featuring Arnold. <laughs> that would be that would be just hilarious if like <laughs> Arnold comes out like in just full samurai getup, <laughs> just. Uh, yeah, there were could, two so if they had a Viking one, they could pull that off. You yeah, could be the, you could be, be a Viking one. There you go. Oh, good times. All right, folks. That's a big show for this week. Next week, Matt, what will we be discussing? Do you have everything up ready for you? Because I, uh, I, uh, I, do uh, I, I don't. Although you did just say that we're going to do the new Williams sister movie, which I'm already drawing a blank on what that thing is called. King Richard. Yeah, the King calendar's Richard. a little off. Because I have uh, I when I type stuff in, I overwrote the wrong f- section. Gotcha. So it's gonna it's supposed to be licorice pizza and then mm-hmm. uh, King Richard. That's what the plan King should be. Although I will say, Chris, we can always do an audible. That mm-hmm. for this week only, Spencer will be streaming. Now I would have to rent it. I think you have to pay for it, but I may be willing to do that, so I don't have to leave the house. Oh well, you know what? King Richard's on Netflix. I mean, it's on HBO Max too. Oh okay. See, you, there, you do have licorice pizza, but... All right, we'll figure that out. Okay. Because uh, I have seen Spencer. I did see it in the theater. It would be interesting to talk about. But the, the missus wants to watch uh, King Richard as well because she's a big Venus and Serena fan. Okay. So she wants to check that out. So we'll figure that out, folks. Who knows? But you can count on some fun. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a review, help other people find the show and read it on the air. Uh, just dropped another episode of Screen Run. And also, too, in case you missed it, this past Wednesday, we dropped our special focus episode with Gomez of Playlist Wars, where Matt and I and Gomez discuss the National Treasure films and your five favorite Nick Cage roles. Matt, we still got to do that Hollywood, excuse me, that movie soundtrack show to go up against Playlist Wars because that thing mm. still enrages me to this day. Maybe we'll work <laughs> on that over the uh, winter break. That'll be kind of okay. fun. We both have some sure. time, up, com- time off coming up. That's it, folks. We're going to go ahead then. Take an expend- expended. We're going to expend some time by taking a break. You all take care of yourselves. Have a great Thanksgiving. Get vaccinated. We love you. See you soon. You son of a bitch.